Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thanks, Scott. I greatly appreciate your forecast and the news, of course. And I thank you for stopping by. We'll be taking the Good Gardening Stroll shortly. But right now, if you have questions or concerns about oh, your plants, remember just how many days ago it was 80-whatever? We were out sunbathing and everything else. And now, oh, my goodness gracious, just shows you what our weather is all about. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments, And on this Saturday morning, we get together and have a discussion about plant material, whether it's plant material in your yard, side yard, backyard, doesn't matter, front yard, yes, even that, or maybe your house plants. And uh, what do you need to do if your house plants seem like they're getting squeezed in the pot it's in? Should they be repotted into a bigger pot? Or, and if so, what should they be? added to the pot? Should it be potting mix? Whatever. Should you be cutting anything this time of year? Should you be still looking for bugs and possible diseases? Well, the information I'm going to share with you uh, hopefully will help you orchestrate and solidify your options. Of course, with that final judgment of the actions you're going to take is going to be on your shoulders. This is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your car or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is Ashlyn. She's producing, and she uh, really likes pomegranates. <laughs> so she's sharing pomegranate <laughs> fragrance uh, here in the studio. Oh, and by the way, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and I can come to your home to do landscape consultations if you'd like for me to. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's an email address and a phone number. Now, that email address is still functional, but I'm going to be having um, sort of like blending in a new email address, and this will be my future email, and it's mmillerdesigns22 at gmail.com. So my old email, I'm just really tired of it. No, it doesn't matter. But uh, anyway, that's where I can be reached. Either phone numbers, plenty good. Well, let's get moving. The stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Giant sculptures or statues or whatever of 
purple coneflowers, and monarch butterflies catches your eye while crossing the intersection of Kings Highway where Southwest Avenue begins. And on the building's south side, or the back side, there's rain barrels there that catches rainwater running off the roof. And a solitary bee house in memory of Pearl Bossom. And that's back on the back side, too. There's a redbud tree whose uh, pea pods, redbud trees, are in the pea family. But the pea pods, oh, they were wiggling in the wind this morning, I'll tell you. And the remaining leaves on several different trees uh, were also wiggling like, oh, it is really cool. You can see a butterfly garden, a conservation corner, and then you can hear music created by a waterfall. It was so nice just to stand there on this little bridge and listen to the music of that waterfall. And uh, there's a walkway that blends various things with broken glass. And uh, no, it's not sharp or anything to walk on, but it is really kind of a neat walkway that kind of winds its way through this particular area. There's some hollies there, that uh, deciduous-type hollies, and, man, their red fruits were just exploding. There's a prairie garden. There's blue ageratum, the perennial varieties, and they say, what snow? Who cares? I don't care how cold it is. I'm still going to be blooming and looking pretty darn good. And there's a rain garden with members, members saying, who could care less if it rains, it snows, or whatever? We love it. And, oh, I forgot how cold it was. It really felt cold this morning as I stepped outside. Uh, Yesterday was kind of an appetizer of the coldness, but today is really here. So anyway, where was I walking around? Brightside St. Louis. Brightside St. Louis is a really great organization that does a lot of things for our region. And uh, one of them happens to be gets rid of graffiti off various locations. And so, I mean, they do that plus many, many other things. So Brightside St. Louis, right there at the corner of Kings Highway and Southwest Avenue. Kind of a cool building and a great garden for sure. So if you just want to take some time to wander around a little bit. And all the perennials, uh, other than the ageratum, were pretty much finished. And the ornamental grasses as well, but they were all kind of like just adding to the visual music of uh, the wind this morning. So anyway, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We'll be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. We have phone lines open if you have any questions about your lawn, what you should be doing or not doing if you've got a warm season grass or a cool season grass, or should you be doing any pruning on your trees? Should you be having people come out, professional arborists, and take a look at your trees because of we've had some pretty darn strong winds lately. So it's really kind of, uh, you got to, I mean, there's so much stuff going on in the outdoors. As I look out the back or our windows here, it's the back side of the Veterans Memorial. And the Missouri flag is pretty much really whipping hard. So, again, phone numbers, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's start the morning off with Mildred. Mildred, how are you today? Good morning. I'm great. Uh, thank you for taking my call, Mike. Sure. I was calling because I had to have taken out 
a tree, a silver maple tree uh, in my backyard. And um, it was just done over uh, uh, two weeks ago. And and I had the root, you know, uh, the uh, stump taken out and everything. Right. So my question to you is, how soon uh, can I um, start planting in that spot? And uh, what does wood chipping, if you don't get it all up, uh, you know, I got up as much as I could, but how uh, how does wood chipping affect uh, Georgia grass? That's what's down there and all. And uh, and how do I know when I can start uh, planting in that spot where the tree was at? Well, the exact spot is going to be several years before you're going to get anything to work in that okay. location. And second of all, the you know the stump grindings and things like that. Any kind of raw wood, whether you're you know somebody gave it to you or you it's from your own yard and stuff like that. What it does is it starts breaking down. It binds up nutrients in the soil, and it does some you know it really can do some kind of bad damage not just to lawn but to you know, lots of different kinds of plant materials. And, you know, that's because it's doing damage to your soil, and then the soil is most important for, you know, your plant material, whatever you hadn't be growing. So, again, it's going to be a couple years before you're going to be able to plant on that spot. So uh, maybe think about putting a bird bath or something there for a couple years. And then also the lateral roots, which are not, you know, basically they don't know they've been beheaded. So they're going to continue to grow and for a little bit, absorb nutrients, absorb moisture, and it's gonna, you know, it's gonna have an impact on your landscape just kind of in general. So, you you kind of got a, a a window of time where there's not too much you can really do. Is there anything that uh, I can do as a homeowner to make sure to kill those roots that might not have been, uh, uh, you know, taken out? No, because they go, I mean, however big this tree was, those lateral, you know, feeder roots went out as, you know, beyond where the width of the tree, where the branches were. I mean, they're way out there. So there's not to, you really can't do anything. Okay. Thank you so very much. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a sad circumstance, but it's reality. And that's kind of uh, unfortunate. What, what can you do to, Ensure, because I I can only see with my naked eye and and, and whatever. But what can you do to uh, uh, prevent uh, um, the grass from uh, you know uh, the corrosion of the grass, uh, or is it just a process that has to go through? Yeah, if you've had you know if you've had lawn over those particular areas and it hasn't been damaged by the equipment that came back to you know take the tree down and grind the stump out and everything else because that soil compaction as a result of the equipment is going to have an impact also. So there's, I mean, there's multiple factors that play a role. So I would say probably the best thing you can do is your zoysia is basically dormant now. And so next year when it starts greening up, maybe have a lawn service come out and do some core aeration and spread some compost after the core aeration so it falls down in the holes from the core aerator. That will, you know, that feeds your soil, and then your soil will help your zoysia kind of, you know, start the recovery process. 
when you say court, uh, uh, I can't pronounce the word. Is that aeration of the uh, soil this spring? Is that is that the same thing or no? Yeah, it is. It's but a core aerator is a machine that pulls actually plugs kind of like wine bottle corks out of the ground. Uh huh. And then that makes a hole that is a you know a couple inches deep. And then when you spread the compost after that, then that falls down in the hole and it just kind of helps your your soil just in general. Thank you so very much. I appreciate your uh, uh, answers. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go from Mildred's yard over to Sue's yard. Hi, Sue. Well, hi, Mike. Um, I live in an apartment, and I have a, a small little flower bed area. And I've been throwing my coffee grounds in there. And I'm just wondering, you know, just as a soil amendment. So I'm just wondering, is that going to do anything to the soil, that's, or is that okay to do? It's okay to do. It doesn't do. A, it's not a dramatic amount of things, you know, as far okay. as what it's going to do. It's going to maybe, you know, it could have an, uh, you know, I don't know how long you've been doing it or how much you have forty coffee pots of coffee a day or whatever it happens to be. It's not going to, you know, it kind of changes the soil pH, but it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not something dramatic. And if you're just kind of dumping it on top of the ground and you're not mixing it in with the soil then the benefit is even less. Okay. So, yeah, it's a minimal amount, um, and I do I do mix it in. Okay. But uh, it's just, it just gives me something to do. I mean, I can't really compost something since I'm in this apartment. But, right. Um, <laughs> I it, understand. It's the least I can do. Now, uh, <laughs> one more question. Um, the city put a tree in, a new, a new maple tree, about 10 feet tall, and they left me instructions that said to water it twice a week for a year. And, and I have done that up until now. Um, but with the cold weather, how important is it for me to get out there when it's really cold and give it, you know, uh, 10 gallons of water? Right. I mean, I don't know why they would tell you to water it twice a week for a full year. That's a little bit yeah. uh, intense. Okay. I know it's a larger tree. And that's what the circumstance is. But uh, if we're having rain or any kind of moisture or even humidity and things like that, uh, that you know, the watering, I would say if you've been doing it for a couple months, then you can just kind of stop. Okay. Very good. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Sure. Good luck. Okay. And now let's go from uh, Sue's yard over to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Hi, Mike. Hi. I'm, I'm just with Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Just wondering about, um, can, do I cut back my daisies and um, sunflowers and those things right now? That's my first question. And my other question is, is it okay now to, to winterize my roses? Uh, I, it's probably a little bit early for winterizing your roses. I'd wait for, even though it's, you know, it is getting a little bit, you know, it's right kind of on the cusp of going below freezing and stuff. So if you can, if you haven't done it yet, I would say wait for another week or so. Wait till around Thanksgiving to do it. If you want to do it now, it's not going to cause that much damage to your roses. And, uh, I forget what your other question was related. Oh, Cutting back perennials and things like that, if they finish blooming, and uh, just make sure if you're cutting the stems off, that's fine. If they have any kind of green foliage on them, don't cut the green foliage off. So in other words, green foliage at ground level, not green foliage that happens to be kind of just hanging on a really tall stem or something like along that line. But probably I would think for the most part, most of the leaves, uh, other than the ones that are kind of for perennial you know, type uh, plant materials that are at the base, at the ground level, then the ones that are higher up on stems are probably already turning brown. And you can cut that back. Thank you. I appreciate your help. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Yeah, Mike. I winter over some hibiscus and other plants, and these plants are in pots that are big enough to where I need a two-wheel dolly to move them around uh-huh. and I have them in my garage and I have three windows in my garage so they get sunlight. When I water the plants, I use a watering bucket with a, uh, a one of the sprinkler heads on it so I don't pour all the water in one spot. Right. How often should I water these plants? I would say just, you know, monitor them or just watch them and when you start to see the potting mix shrink away from the inside of the pot, then I'd water them at that time. And I'm assuming you have saucers underneath them, too. Yes. And so, you know, make sure that there's no water in the saucer if you water again. Because during the wintertime, even if you're getting, getting adequate light in there and everything else, the amount of water or moisture that the plant materials need is going to be a far less than what it, you know, when they're actively growing outside in the summertime or in the warmer weather. Well, using the watering can with the sprinkler head, I give give the bigger ones uh, probably about a half a gallon of water each time I water. And with the sprinkler head, it spreads it around quite a bit. Right. Is that a good thing to do? Sure, that's fine. I mean, it just makes it easier on you as opposed to, like, if you just have a bucket, then you got to, you know, kind of move the bucket around yourself to make sure that you're getting moisture kind of evenly around all the potting mix and not just pouring it in in one spot. Now, even pouring it into one spot, it may the water may spread as it's down into the potting mix. But the way you're doing it just kind of ensures that that's going to happen. Okay. I thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure.
And now let's go over to Doris's yard. Hi, Doris. Hi, Hi. Mike. How are you today? Good. Um, have a question. Our lawn service called about doing a lime application to the yard. We've never done that before, and we're wondering what your thoughts are. They did a winterizing this past week, and now he calls about lime. And we're just wondering if that's something to recommend. We have a nice green uh, yard most of the summer and that. And so what are your thoughts? Uh, basically, have you had a soil test done? No, we haven't. My so, husband said that's probably what you'll say. To right, because test. in essence, you don't put lime down unless you know that your your soil pH is really acidic because successful lawn needs a let's put it let me start back a little bit ph the numbers for ph is 0 to 14 and 7 is the neutral point anything less than 7 is slightly or is acidic and the lower it gets the more acidic it is anything above 7 is alkaline so if you get a soil test done and it says your soil pH is 7 point something and you put lime down Actually, you're doing really harm to your lawn because lawns like a pH slightly acidic, like at 6.5. So just to say to put lime down for the sake of putting lime down does not make sense unless you really know or the service knows what they're doing it for. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. So, yes. So for now, we'll... We'll do a soil test before we do any lime. Right, and I mean, they're not hugely expensive. They're like $25 or so. And the University of Missouri Extension, I don't know what part of town you live in, but... Uh, We're in Arnold. So. Okay. I mean, it's, you can actually go to your county extension office and see, you know, find out or go online first and find out about how to take a soil sample you know, and blah, 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 all that stuff. And then, you know, right. contact right. your county extension office in Jefferson County and see if you can drop the sample off there or if you need to send it to University of Missouri in Columbia or if you happen to be in Kirkwood, you know, for right. whatever right. reason. Right, I know there's, yeah, I know there's one in Kirkwood. Right, yeah. by yeah. the train station. Right, right. Okay. All right. All good info. So thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. All right. Bye now. (laughs) Mike Miller, KM Wash Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have phone lines open. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Vern's yard. Hi, Vern. Hi, Mike. Thank you. Uh, Epsom salt. What, what can it be used for in the yard, the gardens? It's a pretty uh, versified. Uh, yeah, it's versified. Uh, I would say you can use it, but it's not really an essential element. I would, if you're doing the normal fertilizing and things along that line, you don't even need the Epsom salt. It's just one of the kind of the old ancient type things that people used in the past. And uh, it's, you know, it helps a little bit, but it doesn't do a whole lot, to be honest. Okay. I always have a bag of that left over, half a bag or so. 
All right. Well, that's the only question. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, my wife has a bag of <laughs> Epsom salts uh, because her doctor told her to – she has a, a wound on her thumb or, yeah, on her thumb. And the doctor said, soak it in Epsom salt water. And I thought, man, oh, man, this stuff is pretty versatile. If it can take care of wounds and work in the yard and everything else – but that kind of means if it can do that many different things, that it's, you know, it's reaction and action is going to be pretty minimal. That'd be a green thumb then, I guess. All right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Have a good one. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Pat's yard. Hi, Pat. Hey, Mike. Uh, I have oak leaf hydrangeas and uh, wondering when they get cut back or did I miss the window for that? Uh, you can cut them back if you want to because they're summer bloomers. So, in essence, anything that blooms in the summer can be cut all the way up until springtime when the new growth starts you know, occurring. So you can cut them back or you don't even need to cut them back. That's you know the, the kind of nice thing of them. Now, they will get big over time, but right. in reality, it's, uh, it's one of those shrubs that you – know, Routine pruning or things like that is really not necessary. If you want to cut off the spent flowers, that's fine. But anything else, I would say just kind of leave it alone. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. And again, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back to soil testing again. Oh, you got everybody. He's always talking about soil testing. But uh, let me, here's a few things that uh, keep this in mind. If you're taking a soil sample, make sure your sample is dry before you submit it to the, you know, if you're going to send it to the University of Missouri at Columbia, the Agriculture Department, or you're going to take it and drop it off, you know, someplace. There are private companies that will do soil testing, but it's got to be dry. So the night before you get your your sample, what you do is you lay it out on a tray with newspaper or other you know kind of paper sources, and that will help it dry out. Because if you bring it the sample too wet into the office, they'll you know it's just it's not good because you're going to put it in a Ziploc bag. That's going to make it you know even worse. And so just the drying process before it's shipped is really essential. And pull samples from various areas in your lawn. Let's say even if you're front lawn, multiple locations. And you want to make sure that you, you know, don't get any kind of root systems or grass blades or anything like that. Or if it's in a garden area, a garden, let's say a vegetable garden, a perennial garden, any you know, specifically different type of garden or lawn area should have a separate sample taken. So it's just if you try to blend your whole yard together with, you know, gardens and spaces and shrubs and everything else, the soil test will not mean a darn thing. And you want to have at least about uh, two cups of soil. That's what you want to submit. And, again, it's going to be dry, and it usually goes into a Ziploc sandwich bag or something along that line. And it takes about uh, 10 to 14 days after you submit it before the you know before it's going to be the sample is going to be tested and you're going to get the results. So and again, if it's your soil is wet, 
You just add time to the whole factor. And then keep in mind, too, that they are extremely busy during the months of February, March, April, May, and June. So get, this is a perfect time. The ground is not frozen, so you can get the, the sample done. You can have it submitted. And before you know, spring rolls around, when it becomes you know, seasons for uh, fertilizing or anything else, adding any kind of soil amendments, you're going to have that information right in your hands so you know exactly what to do. So just, you know, soil testing is really extremely important. There's no getting around it. And now let's go over to Rich's yard. Hi, Rich. Hey, how's it going? Good. Hey, I got a problem with my front lawn. It it floods every time it rains and the water cascades down from the side of my house down the hill. And it just, all the grass is dead. The soil is eroding. Would you recommend like a French drain or something? Yeah, I would have a you know have a landscape contractor come out and take a look at the circumstances, see what would be recommended. So, is it coming down because of uh, the downspouts off your roof? No, it's just over the years, it's just it's flooded. The rain just comes down. It's kind of a steep hill on the right side of my oh, house. Oh, okay. It just co- collects on the front lawn, and uh, it, you know it's it's bad. <laughs> There's no grass left. Right. And it's not going to get any better, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I'd have a landscape contractor come out that, you know, has some expertise because a French drain might be something that would be, you know, it would be the answer to your situation or to your problem. Okay. Do they usually put that around halfway up the hill? or? No, they run it at basically they collect the water kind of at the base and then run it towards the street so it discharges the, you know, the water that is collected you know, in that direction, or they run it to wherever the lowest, you know, location is. Okay. All right. Great. Well, thanks a lot. Sure. And, I mean, it's it's almost essential to do because you obviously have, you know, seen what happens over time. It just makes it so you can't have any kind of lawn at all. And probably yeah. if it's too wet, then you're not even going to get very good weeds except like, you know, nutsedge or something like that. Right. That's that's exactly what I got. So I appreciate the advice. Thanks. Sure. And uh, just, you know, either go to your favorite garden center and ask them if they've got uh, a company they'd recommend that, you know, can come out and have some expertise in drainage because that's what you're really looking at. You're not looking for, you know, somebody that, you know, knows how to cut grass or, you know, trim trees or anything else. This is a drainage circumstance, which is. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's very specific. All right. Thanks, Rich. Got it. Thank you. Yep. And now let's go over to Gary's yard. Hi, Gary. Yeah, uh, Mike, I got uh, two houseplant questions. I've, I've got a, uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, it's a Kalakoi plant. Kalakoi? Yeah. It's got some really nice blooms on it. Right. Uh, but they said to deadhead them uh, when they faded. But I wasn't sure how far down you deadhead them. Like petunias, they say go down to the, the uh, you know, way down on the stem. But right. I did that here, and it looked like it was a little bit too severe. And so I wasn't sure how far down I'd go on. Uh, basically, you just need to cut the spent flowers off. So oh, okay. Yeah. That's all you need to do. You don't need to cut down the stems or anything else. Uh, you... Okay. Yeah, because the ones that cut way down, they, they look 
not too too great. Yeah, and they probably recovery wise is going to be uh, scary at best. Yeah, they it's starting to grow up spindly kind of right on them. Okay, well that solves that one. Uh, then I got another question. I've got an avocado that I've it's about two years old now that I you know I just for a lark I grew with the toothpick method. Right. In water. Yeah, yeah. It's about a yard high now. And I got it in an 8-inch pot, but I didn't know if I should put it in a bigger pot or if it was good to disturb the roots or what. Well, this time of year, I would not do that. If you want to put it in a bigger pot, uh, I would wait until, like, uh, let's say mid-March or so and use potting mix and only Mm -hmm. get the pot about an inch or so bigger than what the existing pot is. And you really probably don't even need to. What you can do, I'm assuming you have it in a saucer, just you know, pick yeah. it up and look at the drainage holes in the bottom and see if there's any root systems coming out those of those drainage holes. If there's none, I would say don't repot it into a bigger pot. Oh, okay, because I just do not repot it. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's in an 8-inch pot now with potting mix. Yeah, so. you got uh, probably multiple years, even if it's three feet high, I don't know how wide the branches are or anything. No, if, just uh, each each, each fond or whatever you call it, it's about a foot. Okay. So yeah. one foot high, yeah, you definitely don't need to probably repot it into a larger pot for multiple years. <clears throat> oh, okay. Well, that's good news. Okay. Yeah, well, like I say, I just did it as a lark, and I didn't expect to uh, succeed, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. Sure. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Gary. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Morning, Mike. Good morning. All right? Yes. Good, good. Um, I have a downspout that drains and it kind of drains down an incline from from the corner of the house on out to the yard. And it tends to start to wash away dirt as it goes, especially when you get a heavy rain. And what I want to do is I want to bury a tile just not too far below the surface and hook the tile into it and run it on out to the corner of the house. To do that, um, I have to, uh, there's a, a tree, and it has some roots that have been exposed. It's a sweet gum tree, and I know all the downsides to a sweet gum, but my wife loves the tree, so forget about killing, getting rid of the tree. Uh so what I was wanting to do was to, I wanted to know if I was to take my my saw and cut a section out of those exposed roots at the top, uh, you know, something about four inches wide through there, would that end up killing the... Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Tree, are those upper roots just not as important maybe as those far down below the ground? 
Well, actually, the the roots that go further down below the ground are not really absorbing roots. So the ones that you're seeing along the surface, that's absorbing. The ones that go deeper just really keep the tree from toppling over. So in other words, because it would be top-heavy. And so, I mean, I don't know how much you, as far as percentage-wise, how many of the roots you're going to have to cut, but it could do some damage. And when you said you're going to run a tile from this downspout, are you talking about uh, you know, a PVC pipe or something? Or are you talking about trying to run lay tile on top of the ground and run it out to, you know, someplace that way? Well, it would be like TVZ pipe. I didn't want to run above the ground, which I could do. But if I do that, that means I have to mow around it all the time. Right, exactly. And so, and once I get past the sweet gum tree, uh, it's just dirt then, and it's not. I guess one thing I could do is run it above the ground until I got by the tree and then go down. But, yeah. Um, the, the trouble there is I have to go under a sidewalk. Oh. And I can I can do that. I, I mean, I can I can dig straight down on either side of the sidewalk and go under it. Right. Uh, but once I do that, now I'm no longer above the ground until I get away about 10 feet. So I was just wondering, so I guess these, I'm taking a chance by cutting into the, there's probably four or five of them there. I guess I'm taking a chance. Uh, just on that one side, killing the tree, yeah? Well, and that probably won't kill it. It just may weaken it and make, you know, may. And if there's other factors that are, you know, adversely impacting your sweet gum tree, then, you know, the combination of the other factors, who knows what, you know, with our crazy weather and everything else. Let me ask you this, first of all, how big is this tree's trunk at, at ground level? Oh, it, it's big. It's been there. This tree's been here for, I've got one out front that's even bigger, but it's probably, oh, I'm guessing the diameter of it. Oh, see, I look at it now. It's got to be a couple of feet. Okay. So it's pretty old. So again, yeah, it, you know, I mean, the percentage wise, the you know, the, all the nutrients and moisture and everything come from the, those surface roots and go up, you know, to help the tree stay healthy, wealthy, and wise, let's put it that way. But anyway, uh, you could go ahead and try it, and then, uh, you know, it may not do anything at all adverse, and just make sure that, uh, you know, the, you use probably the corrugated black plastic pipe as opposed to the white PVC. Okay. And right. a little bit more flexibility with it as far as your able your ability but yeah, I'd probably put it under you know put it underneath the ground is probably more so than having some of it on the surface and some of it not on the surface because some damage just even from exposure to the sun and everything else could ha- you know could happen to the part that's above the ground. Right. Okay. All right. I'll this probably this spring then I'll. I'll give it a try and cross my fingers. <laughs> Good luck. And it's not going to be easy, as you well know. Sawing, you know, surface roots of trees is not a fun job. No, well, I have a, I have a reciprocating saw that has a wood blade in it. Oh, okay. So with that reciprocating saw the way it is, uh, it, it's a DeWalt and it's a cordless it, 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 with that blade, it, it'll go through it'll go through wood pretty easily, and and then the dirt doesn't hurt it. But you're right; it won't be real easy. But 
I don't think it'll be bad with reciprocating saw. The more difficult thing is going to be going under the sidewalk. Right. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, I have a plan, and I talked to the I talked to the contractor who poured the sidewalk. I asked him if I ran a tile under there, if it would be such that it would cause damage to the sidewalk. He told me, no, don't worry about it. So uh, it'll be a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, good but luck. <laughs> when it gets down the hill, though, Mike, it, it's, it's washing away. It's washed away too much dirt, and 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 it, there's it's cutting ruts in there. So I have I have to do something. Right. And it sounds right, like well, the choice of, you know, of your action is probably very smart, as opposed to just trying to get something, you know, ground cover or something like that to kind of cosmetically hide it, because you're still going to get the erosion. Right. Right. Okay. Well, thanks for being there, Mike. Appreciate sure. it. My pleasure. And uh, Tom's on the line, but Tom, we're not going to be able to get to you because we're almost out of time for this hour. So, if you'd like to hang on, you'll be the first caller at the as we come out of the news. And we do have phone lines open: three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Boy, oh boy, wasn't it cool this morning? I don't know if you've been outside yet, but. That breeze was nasty. Mike Miller, KMWash Garden Hotline. See you after the news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott, and welcome to the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments about your plant material, your lawn, anything related that is living, uh, and maybe some of the stuff that's living that you don't like. Uh, how do you get rid of it? Like honeysuckle. Anyway, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And maybe you have some ideas you'd like to share or maybe questions, concerns, or comments. And thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss all those kind of things related to annuals. Boy, the pansies, they could care less about this cold. I've got uh, three pots of pansies and small pots, but uh, I'll keep watching them and see what the cold has done to them. That's snow and everything. And the bulbs, you still got time to plant some daffodils, tulips, crocus, and things like that. So until the ground freezes, you can go ahead. And I mean, some of the places got some of the bulbs Actually, uh, it's reduced prices. And your cool season vegetables. How about your ground covers? Can you still do anything with that? Or your house plants? What you, should you be fertilizing your house plants? How about your lawn, your roses, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines? Oh, I said roses twice. Oh, those roses. Yes, a lot of roses. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take towards success but strictly offered for you to consider. Across the big board is Ashlyn. She answers the phone and produces and pushes all the buttons and everything else and has a just a good time doing it. So she really likes her job. And I do landscape consultations, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, a landscape evaluation, answering questions you have, and I'll keep my eyes open for things that might be impacting your landscape you go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the home page, there's my email address and phone number where I can be contacted. And also, I have another email 
mmillerdesigns22 at gmail.com. I'm in the transition time, and uh, slowly but surely, I'm going to have that as my main email. But anyway, when I come to your home, I'll share 40-plus years of experience that relates to the world of plant material. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. A couple weeks ago, as I was leaving the station, I went past uh, City Hall, and I could tell they were, you know, there were people planting you know, daffodil bulbs. And who these were, these people, guess what? They're volunteers, volunteers for Brightside St. Louis. And Brightside St. Louis has planted, orchestrated the planting of over 40,000 daffodils at numerous locations. And volunteers from numerous companies and organizations stepped out to help do that. So that's the neat thing about it. Along with Charles Brennan, too. He's always, he's been associated with the daffodil planting for several years. And what it is, is Brightside St. Louis is a great organization. They don't not only do the daffodil planting, but they also get rid of some of the graffiti. Some of the graffiti is just obnoxious as heck. And so they've got uh, some staff members that go around and eliminate graffiti. It's a wonderful organization just in general, as I said before, beyond the daffodils. So they're really conscious about kind of down-to-earth type things here in the St. Louis metropolitan area that have a real good impact. So you kind of forget about the daffodils, and then all of a sudden, wow, you come in this, it's springtime and the ground's starting to warm up, you start to see yellow and you start to see, ah, oh, that was Brightside St. Louis that planted those. The volunteers for Brightside St. Louis. So it's orchestrated by their staff, and then just uh, it's just a great, wonderful job. And uh, this was the first year, probably in a a decade or two, that I have I've always bought daffodil. I haven't bought da- I've bought some daffodils, but I always get tulips from Brightside St. Louis. But because my computer was down this year, I wasn't able to order any. So I'm going to be a little bit sad when spring rolls around. But I'll be sure to find out for close to my home where Brightside has, you know, their volunteers have planted some daffodils. And I can go by and just kind of have a nice, fresh breath of yellow daffodils. So anyway, if you do have any questions or concerns... 314-436-7900 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's get Tom in before we take a break. Hi, Tom. Hey, Mike. How are you? Very good. Did you walk in those shorts today? Of course. <laughs> now, I did. Now, I did have, I have socks and shoes on. Yesterday, I didn't. And so, but today, I thought, eh, it might be a little bit cold for flip-flops. Oh, yeah, there you go. Well, that wind didn't help you. No. (laughs) I've got a couple questions for you. The first question is, um, the good news is I've got two, I guess I call them like in the palm family, tropical plants, um, but they're like, they're plants, they're not trees. And I got a ficus tree. And they're doing, they're huge. So big, I couldn't really get them into my house this year. Uh oh. And so I, I know, but they're so pretty. Um, and so I have them in my garage, and I've never done it 
in my garage to try to store them over the winter. And um, I was hoping you could give me some, some suggestions on how, how this will work. Um, I was looking at if there's some sort of a hot something that, that, that's warm that you could put underneath so they wouldn't be sitting on the garage, you know, uh, concrete. So what are your suggestions on keeping them alive? I, you know, so you have an adequate light for them, first of all. I've got two windows that I can open up the shade, so there'll okay. be light that will come in the garage. Okay, so you don't really need heat, but what you definitely need to do is get them up off the concrete floor. And I, you know, I, you know, I have some pots that I keep, you know, in my garage too. And I just have some wood pallets, and I just set them up on the wood pallet. That's all I do. Now I do have some uh, some grow lights that I put on them. But I have, uh, you know, grow lights in the basement for plant material, too. But that's all I do is I set them up on the pallet and, uh, you know, p- put some grow lights on them, and that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, but you, you do recommend the grow lights? Uh, well, you don't have to. Uh, you know, it just depends. Like, you know, I don't know if you've had how long you've had these, you know, these plants, especially like the ficus tree. Uh, you know how many leaves they drop during the wintertime. Even oh, yeah. when the, the situation is ideal, and it's going to be less than ideal, I don't know what direction these windows that you have in your garage are facing, how much light north. they're actually going to get, and those kind of things. They face north. Okay, so that's the least amount of light possible. So right. <laughs> your your palms, you know, should be okay, but the ficus tree is going to go ooh. So so get the grow lights. Yeah, that will help, um, but it's still not going to guarantee, you know, you're still going to lose some, you know, foliage off the ficus trees, you know, regardless. And you can get grow lights either, you know, fluorescent type or you can get the type that are kind of uh, just bulb type. Okay. Um, the other thing is is that, um, you know, it's, it's the for- future forecast is still no, not much rain. Um, what? What do you think about continuing the water? Uh, definitely cut back on the watering. Uh, it's just, you know, because, especially in a lower light situation, too much moisture could actually have an adverse impact on the root system. So I would say, again, I always like to tell people, just look at the inside of the pot. And if you start to see a gap between the potting mix that is growing in and the inside of the pot that they're growing in, consequently then I would water them and, you know, make sure that you have a saucer underneath the pot, too, so it doesn't just run all over the place after you pour some water in them. Well, I, I was referring more to plants outside. Oh. Because I transplanted a few, um, a few. I've got, a, 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 I think it would be a dwarf blue spruce that gets to be 8 to 10 feet tall, um, and, I, and I transplanted it because it didn't do very well in the first, spot that I put it. Okay. And so, um, you know, I was going to maybe throw some mushroom compost around it, and then I didn't know about the watering with it being this cold. Uh, you could, I mean, it, when it is this cold, it, the watering is not necessary, but uh, make sure that, uh, you know, you've been watering it up to this point, because remember, only a few days ago, it was 80 degrees. Right, right. And so, I mean, that's detrimental to the root system just kind of in general. So okay. through the winter time, just kind of if you if we have a stretch that's let's say extra windy, 
And even if the temperatures are you know low, not necessarily freezing or anything else, to take a you know a two gallon bucket of water or a gallon bucket of water out you know after of ten, fourteen, twenty days of no rain or anything and no snow, then I'd probably go ahead and water. Okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate your uh, input. Thanks, Mike. Enjoy sure. your day. My pleasure. And Mike Miller, KMYS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, after the show today, I head towards home if I don't have an appointment for a walk and talk in somebody's yard. Today, I do not. But uh, what I do is usually work around the yard, do blah, 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 blah. But today, I'm going to be working in the garage because my garage is chaotic as a result of taking all the large pots and everything that I've had my summer bulbs, you know, elephant ears, cannas, kaffir lilies and things like that growing in. And now I need to get them a little bit more organized and pull some of them out of the pots, let them dry and then take them. I take some inside into the basement. This year, I'm going to leave some in the pots and leave them in the garage and see what's happened. I want them to go dormant. I don't want them to keep growing necessarily, so I'm not putting them in front of a window. And then I have, as you probably, if you've been listening, know that I've left some elephant ears out in my yard. And historically, I've never done that before, but I have so many because I've been growing them for so long. And they've just kept multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. I decided, let's see how tough these guys are and see if they can survive our winter outside. So that's my summer bulb uh, update. Let's go now to Kurt's yard. Hi, Kurt. How are you? Yeah, I'm well, thanks. Good. Um, so I bought, a, I bought a building out on Monroe, and it had a, uh, it had a, <clears throat> a tree on it that – you know how sometimes like two trunks will kind of come out of that same location in the ground. Sure. Um, so it's the silver, of course, of let's say three seasons now. Uh, one of those was dead, so I cut it off. Uh, the one that was alive, I left alone. The next year, which was this uh, this summer, it fruited up and it had a thousand. And I thought there were going to be peaches, just a thousand on there. And, and then it got really hot, and all of a sudden, all that fruit dropped within, shoot, about a three-day period. Um, it's an old tree and kind of overgrown, and I didn't even know it was a fruit tree because that first year it didn't really have any fruit on either one of those forks. And, you know, I, I thought that it was peach. Uh, it smelled like peach and kind of tasted like peach, but, I mean, they were probably the size of a golf ball or a ping-pong ball when they all hit the ground. So I guess what I'm wondering is, should I be trying to prune that thing down or what happened to all the fruit that was on there? I'm just trying to make it a tree I could get something off of, I guess. That's kind of where I'm at. Okay. Basically, what you need to do is you can enjoy the flowers of any kind of fruit tree that you want. But generally, if they're you know somewhat healthy and everything else, they produce way too many flowers, which if it gets pollinated, that's too much fruit for them to function and actually grow. 
So in the future, go ahead and let them flower. If you start to see the fruits form before they get, you know, beyond, let's say, a marble size, take about 50 or 60 percent of those fruits off before they grow. And then hopefully the tree will have enough energy coming up from the root system to be able to, you know, allow the fruit to actually get edible size. So what happens? What's that? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm just wondering, how would I know if it was an apricot or a peach? The the pits on them were smooth, but I felt like they were still way underdeveloped, and it kind of smelled more peach than apricot. Well, as, you know, probably I would you know take a look at the foliage, and then go to the university or go to Missouri Botanical Garden website and just take a look at the you know because they're going to have information on the fruit trees and see which one that you happen to have there. Would it make any difference, or is what you're saying kind of the same no matter which way that tree was? Yeah, it would. that's the same thing whether it's an apple tree, a cherry tree, a peach tree, an apricot tree, anything. They always produce, you know, in general, if it's a gentle winter, they produce a lot of flowers and produce, you know, ultimately – because they, the flowers are going to get pollinated, start producing fruit. But it's much too many, too many fruits for the, any most of the trees to be able to function and be able to grow completely to full, let's say, edible size. So, how regardless, much could I prune this down? Could I prune it down substantially, or should I not? I would say that, stay away from it. You start pruning, especially something like a summer bloom or a spring bloomer like, you know, fruit trees are, then you're eliminating the potential for, uh, you know, f- definitely flowers slash fruits next year. But also if you cut it back too far, you may be cutting it back to the point where it doesn't have the ability to produce any kind of flower buds, you know, for the future. You may be gotcha. just sending it downhill. So just wait till the spring and then try to figure out how to knock some of the buds off or some of the fruit off, uh, depending on what time I catch it. Right, exactly. Okay. Well, thanks for the help and um, enjoy your show. I've never really been a gardener. I grew some tomatoes out here. It <laughs> grew like crazy, too, but just kind of reminds me of my dad who's gone and he was a gardener. So enjoy listening to your show. Well, great. Well, thanks. Greatly appreciate it. Remember, if you weren't there, I would not be here. So thanks, Kurt. And now yep. let's head over to Patty's. Hi, Patty. Good morning, Mike. Hi. I wanted to let you know um, you stressed the te- soil testing, which is very important for yards and gardens and everything. But the St. Charles County Extension Office does offer soil testing, too. Great. For all the people in St. Charles County, we're at 260 Brown Road, which is just west of Old Town St. Peter's. Um, so they can bring their soil samples to us, too. And then you sh- you send them, or you actually do the testing there? We send them to Columbia. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So, well, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It'd just be a whole lot closer for people to go to uh, St. Peter's instead of Kirkwood. Right. Exactly. So if anybody else has any information on local, you know, local people that they can drop stuff off, you know, the, generally the county extension services will do that. But uh, this sounds great. Yeah, mm-hmm. we and we do a lot of them, so and we can always do more. Okay. <laughs> well, great. Thanks. Thank you. Uh huh. Bye bye. Bye.
Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Even though the weather's getting cold outside, you know, there are some annual cool season weeds that say, who cares if it's cold? Whether it's henbit, dead nettle, chickweed, annual bluegrass, and lots of other ones. They germinated last August, and they do great. And they keep growing and growing and producing flowers and dropping seeds and everything. Oh, what a heartache that is. They don't care how cold it gets. They'll maybe shut down a little bit if it gets really, really cold. But as soon as it warms up a little bit, then they start producing those seeds. So just keep that in mind. The cool season annual weeds, they love this kind of weather. Let's head now over to Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. Hey, Mike. How are you? you got a great name. Hey, anyway, I've got six or eight uh, moms that are in pots, and I was, you know, ready to throw them away. I'd like to transplant them. And, you know, is there any easy way or just stick them in the ground or what, you know? <laughs> Well, just, you know, the soil's got to be really prepared, and I'm assuming you bought them, you know, already in the pots, and they were probably right. budded, if not flowering. And just right. if I, you know, basically look at where the stem is coming up out of the, uh, you know, the potting mix and see if there's any little green leaflets right at ground level. If there is, then I would go ahead and, you know, try transplanting them. And don't you don't need to cut the top off or anything. I'd probably leave everything as is. And what happens is if there was those little leaflets there, that indicates that it has a good you know possibility of you know coming back next year. Now to get it thick and bushy, there's a whole involved process with doing that. But just you know so it survives. And the reason why I'm saying don't cut the top, you know, the top existing already spent flowers or stems or water or leaves or anything else off is because it'll offer some protection for those little leaflets at the bottom. If you don't see any leaflets right at ground level near the, you know, basically attached to the stem, then I wouldn't bother with that particular one. It's not going to be able to survive. Thank you very much because nothing worse than digging a hole that you didn't need to dig, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, do I uh, then? Do I put what uh, if I did find one or two or whatever that's good? Um, what kind of mix would I give in uh, it? Or you know, they like a you know, well-drained soil and they like an organic soil. So add some compost into the you know into the area, and uh, with existing soil, don't just you know try to put it in let's say pure compost or a topsoil compost mix if you want to add that to the existing soil. Just make sure that you're blending in with the existing soil. Great. Are they pretty hardy, or they uh, was it kind of like a hit-and-miss type thing if you do that? Uh, once you buy them, and they're, they've already been grown, and it's, it's really going to be a, a, a hit-and-miss circumstance. But you can avoid the, you know, the trouble or the hassle if you don't see those little green leaflets at the gotcha. skin. That's a whole key to, you know, survivability. Thank you very much, and you really helped because you might have saved me some backache. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, Mike. I sure. love your show. Bye now. My pleasure. And uh, now let's go over to Brad's yard. Hi, Brad. Hi, Mike. Uh, am I too late to bring in my elephant ears and my canis bulbs? No, not at all. I mean, okay. they've probably okay. been damaged due to the cold, but uh, for the most part, the root systems... You know, the bulbs or or the tubers 
are still fine because they're below ground. You're just seeing kind of damage to the above ground growth, but no, that you can definitely do that. Okay, perfect. Thank you for your help. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, so whether they're in the ground or whether they're in pots, the bulbs, the tubers, bulbs are for the elephant ear, tuber is for the canna, but they're both just root systems. And now let's see, where should we go? Let's go over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi. I have a question. I heard you talked about planting bulbs in pots. So I've planted my tulips in pots. Will those pots survive outside, or do I need to put the pots in the garage? No, my I do them and leave pots outside. So, okay. I, you know, I have large pots, and I make sure that there's a couple inches, you know, between the edge of the pot, the outside edge of the pot, and the first series of bulbs I put in there. But, uh, no, I've, I've been doing it for years and years and years and years. Well, I heard you say the two inches, and I th- did that. But then I didn't hear you say, well, you can leave them outside. And I'm thinking, I didn't go to all this work. And have- <laughs> yeah, I, I leave mine outside. And like I say, if, if there's an extended period where it gets, it's kind of dry, no rain or snow or anything, but, you know, so I go out, you know, occasionally have to water. But for the most part, I don't even need to do that because we do have adequate rainfall through the wintertime. And uh, you just you don't want them to dehydrate, you know, by being outside or even in the garage. You still got to water them. So you should be fine. Sounds good. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's see what's going on in Matt's yard. Hi, Matt. Oh, good morning, Mike. How are you? Good. Mike, I got a rosemary plant. It's about 25 inches tall. I took it out of the garden, and I got it potted. And I'm just kind of wondering, what would you suggest to store this thing? I've got a patio, but there's no heat out there, or the garage, basement, or in the house. What do you suggest? Well, if the, the rosemary are pretty tough. So if you've got, uh, you know, even outside, so it's a covered patio, I'm assuming? with Yes. So, I mean, it has windows and everything. It's not just a lot of sunlight, too. Okay. Then I would say, you know, try the, just put the pot out there on the, you know, in front of the brightest window and just kind of watch it. They don't need a whole lot of, you know, water during the wintertime. And since you've dug it up, you know, it's a little bit uh, iffy just from that standpoint. But uh, that's probably what I would do. Well, how much water would you, you suggest you know, once a week or something like that? Not necessarily. I wouldn't do it that you know that often because okay. herbs really want to be on the dry side as opposed to too much moisture. But it's going to be sitting in a saucer, and what you can do is just uh, you know water it, water all the way around so all the root systems can get some moisture, and just you know kind of forget about it, and then you know a month or two, you know five weeks later, then go out and water it again. Okay, fine, Mike. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. Hey, how are you doing today? Good. Hey, I had a question on, uh, I dug up my cannas and my banana trees and cut them, cut them back before, you know, it, it, the, the stringy roots that are attached to the bulb, do I leave those on there, cut them off, or does it not matter? Uh, you can leave them on there if you want. They're really not going to do anything. So they're they're kind of the feeder roots that absorb moisture and nutrients and things like that. But the bulb, when they're planted again, will you know produce new ones. But you can leave them. 
Okay, so then I'll just leave on that because they're on there now. And I was like, I wonder if I'm supposed to cut those off. Yeah, it's not necessary to do. When you buy them, you know, at the garden center or whatever, you'll see that they've all that stuff has been cut off, but that just makes it a little bit more appealing, but it's not necessary to do. Okay, and in your opinion, how deep should a tulip bulb be planted? A tulip bulb, basically like four inches. Okay, great. I enjoy your show, and thanks for everything. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on your show. And let's see, can we get another one in before we take break? Kathleen, how are you? I'm fine. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Let's get get back to those elephanteers. I still have mine in pots. I turned them over. I haven't dumped them out. I still have a lot of green foliage. Do I just chop that off and clean the bulbs? Yeah, you can do that, or you can just wait until. I just prefer to chop them off while they're still green and vibrant as opposed to if you leave them out there, it's going to get, you know, and it gets below freezing, then those, you know, the above-ground growth of stem and leaf, they just get really mushy, and I just don't, Uh, you know, care for that, so. Okay, so I can chop everything off, clean the bulb, bring it in. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Yep. And just cut the stems and, you know, off right at ground level. And if you still, if you, once you pull it out of the pot or the potting mix or whatever, and you see there's still a little bit of a stem, you can just go ahead and leave that. You don't have to cut it off anymore, uh, you know, but because it's just going to dry up anyway during the wintertime. Okay. Now, when cleaning it, just wash it. And water, do I need to put any type of, um, I don't know, something on it to keep it from rotting? No, you don't need to wash it in water. Just, you know, pull it out of the pot, shake all the potting mix off of it, and just let them, you know, let them dry. So, in other words, put them on, you know, newspaper or something before you store them in, like, paper bags for the wintertime. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Yeah, don't water them. I mean, don't use water to wash them. That's too much trouble. <laughs> okay. Thank you again. Yep, my pleasure. Mike Miller, K and Wash Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. Let's go over to Margaret's yard. Hi, Margaret. Margaret, are you there? My question is about my hydrangea. Uh, I think, I guess they're going dormant, uh, but it's big brown, you know, how they look, bugs on there. Should I cut that off or just leave them alone? Well, you can leave it if you want. A lot of people just cut them off because they don't like to look at them for the entire winter time. But it won't hurt them if I just leave it. Yeah. No, basically next, you know, next year, all those p- brownish petal things are just going to fall off. Now... Uh, for the winter, should I put the leaves on? Is there anything else I can put over it to kind of cover it up, or do it need covering? Uh, they, you know, depending upon the variety and how you know how long they've been in the ground, uh, you don't necessarily have to put mulch, but a couple inches of mulch would not hurt. Okay, all right. And then uh, you talk about that Irish Spring soap. Is that good for squirrels? <laughs> squirrels, no. <laughs> what about it, rabbits? Uh, basically not, you know, because, you. I mean, with the deer, you can hang them from something, 
But, uh, you know, to just lay the Irish Spring soap on the ground, you might try it. And then you can call and say, it worked really well. It sent all the rabbits and squirrels out of my gardens. But uh, for the most part, it's basically with deer is the only thing it's recommended for. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for your service. Sure. My pleasure. But, no, I mean, if you want to try it, uh, you know. I'm going to try and see. Yeah, why not? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you. Yes. And now let's head over to Art Yard. Hi, Art. Yeah, Mike. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. This question might be a little bit deeper than the four inches of our topsoil. It's got to do with carbon sequestration. We hear about soil carbon, but then when you think about putting excess of CO2 injected into the soil, what does that do to the microorganisms as far as your subsoilers? By that, my friend is sort of religious. He says if you don't have a percolation rate of a two-inch rainfall in 12 minutes, you don't have holy ground. You weren't blessed. In other words, you don't have the worms and you don't have the moles and other types of microorganisms that might be under the soils. What do you feel is the right appropriation when they talk about carbon sequestration? I'm for more trees, hopefully more plants, anything green. But as far as actually taking electrostatic precipitators off of smokestacks, injecting that into the soils, I don't believe that's very healthy. Yeah, it's probably not, Art. Thank you very much for your call. I greatly appreciate it. Now let's head over to Laura's. Hi, Laura. Hi. I was wondering if it's too late to plant tulips. No, it's not. The ground hasn't been frozen yet, so you can plant plant any of your spring flowering bulbs all the way up until the ground freezes. So you've still got uh, who knows how long it's going to take for the ground to freeze because the air is, I mean, just now going below freezing. So it could be you might have another couple weeks before the ground starts freezing. What about uh, peonies and um, dahlias? Are those spring only? Uh, basically, the peonies, uh, the dahlias are a, actually a summer, you know, bulb, and the peonies uh-huh. are a perennial plant. So they're two different things. Okay. And so the, have, with the dahlias, have, you plant those you know, when they're available. If you don't have them yet, you plant them when the garden centers start having them. You can either get the bulb, but there are some other dahlias that you buy in pots and just plant those. And then all with the peonies... The peonies are going to be available in pots probably around May or so. I think I have some tubers, though, of peonies. And I want, so if I do in my basement, it can I still plant them? Wow, if you've had them, I would think that they have been dehydrated if they're up out okay. of, you know, just in, in let's right. say, paper bags or something like that. I mean, you could check yeah. them, but uh, for the most part, they do have eyes on the root system and things like that, but the peonies shouldn't be pulled up out of the ground. Okay. No, they, they, I didn't pull them up. I bought them. Oh, okay. Yeah, so oh, definitely get them planted then. I misunderstood okay. where we're headed. 
no, no worries. No worries. Well, thank you very much. I just wanted to make sure before I spent the time. <laughs> yeah. Just make sure you, I mean, it's well-prepared soil. And with the peonies, you want to yeah. have those eyes about uh, any place between a half inch to an inch below the surface. If you plant them too okay. deep, they're going to put up, fo- they're going to push out foliage, but they're not going to flower for you. Okay. All right. Understood. Well, thank you so much. Love your show. Well, our thanks. show. <laughs> not all right it's your show as you know and the, okay the season is almost over as far as the growing season i was really surprised when i walked around uh brightside st louis and saw the adjuratums still looking good other things that uh you know perennial wise that i still have seen flowering there's a few purple cone flowers that i even have uh in between my garage and the alley and it's, you know, the main part of the you know plants are pretty much gone. Milkweed pods are there, but there's no more milkweed flowers. But one thing that is fly, that has been flowering that I, I didn't get a chance to check a yard where I know there's a bunch of it growing is asters. They are really extremely tough and durable. And, uh, I mean, this time of year, they're so striking because of their color. But uh, so... If you want to have something that can take, you know, some of the crazy weather that we have, whether it be 80 degrees and then five or six days later it gets down to this, I think probably the ash, you know, the asters would probably be my choice above most of the fall blooming flowers. So whether it be mums or anything else, the asters just seem to be by far the toughest. And just uh, you still got plenty of opportunity with your uh, zoysia, maybe the final cut. You can go ahead and mow. And with the bluegrasses and fescues, the cool season lawns, you want to keep mowing those routinely. Even though we've gotten to this point where we're starting to feel the cold, they can still be growing because they're a cool season lawn. So you don't want the blades on the cool season lawn to get too long because then when we get snow or anything, it's going to you know sort of cause those blades to lay on top of each other. And that's where a lot of the fungus problems come from the fact that we, you know, have just kind of like, well, it's this, you know, this time of year and I don't, I'm going to put the mower away and I'm not going to cut again. But uh, with the cool season lawn, you need to. The zoysia, you don't necessarily have to, but it wouldn't hurt if the blades are a little bit longer than like three inches would be about the maximum I'd want to have. You say, well, how do you know how long they are? Well, you just pull a blade up and see kind of see. So, I mean, you don't have to stay right with that measurement type stuff. Other things that you can be doing this time of year is just uh, enjoying some of the still fall color that's out there. When I was coming down to the station today, there was a, I guess that was uh, someplace around the botanical garden uh, in somebody's yard, a red maple that was so strikingly beautiful. It was uh, still holding all of its leaves. It was unbelievable. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune into the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.